Welcome to the Collect Call. This podcast is an offering of the Acts 8 movement, proclaiming resurrection in the Episcopal Church. I'm Holly Powell. I'm a layperson and a member of Christ Church Cathedral in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Brendan O'Sullivan Hale, and I am also a layperson, and I'm a member of the Episcopal Church of All Saints in Indianapolis, Indiana. This podcast is about the intersection of liturgy and life, as seen through the lens of the Book of Common Prayer. And uh, this week we are wrapping up our Lenten series on the prayers of confession, penitence, and calling found in the daily offices. And uh, just another word of thanks to friend of the show and super fan, uh, Regina Heater, for helping us come up with this amazing schedule. It's been so helpful. And so this week we are going to be talking um, about actually something that isn't a collect. It, it frankly actually isn't even a prayer. It is probably something that if you listen to this show is a piece of text you know very, very well, which is the uh, Nunc Dimittis or the uh, Song of Simeon. Yes, and I will read it now. You can follow right. along on page 93 of your Book of Common Prayer. Lord, you now have set your servant free to go in peace as you have promised. For these eyes of mine have seen the Savior, whom you have prepared for all the world to see, a light to enlighten the nations and the glory of your people Israel. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Amen. So there we have it. There we have it. One of the uh, greatest hits of the Bible. It is. It's, a, it's, the, it's the encore. I think it's sort of interesting to be talking about this text, which can be said basically any day of the year. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, this episode is going to be dropping um, hopefully at the beginning of Holy Week. Mm-hmm. And so I've been thinking a little bit about, you know, what this text might mean at this particular point in time. Mm. And so to to refresh the memories of uh, any folks who may not be familiar uh, with uh, exactly where this comes from, this is a uh, short section from the Gospel of Luke. It appears in the second chapter. This is said by Simeon, who is an old man who is at the temple when Jesus is taken there to be circumcised. And Simeon has had a, uh, a revelation from God that he will see the Messiah before he dies. Those are the words that he says upon encountering Jesus and recognizing him, thanking God and basically saying, okay, I can die happy now. Yeah. The chapter in Luke goes on to say that Simeon then said to Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul, too. Yeah. So (laughs) and then that's the end of Simeon, I think. Yeah. So a nice, you know, uplifting message for the mother of a newborn. Yeah. (laughs) Nonetheless. So the nunc dimittis, I don't know exactly how I think I've heard it said a bunch of different ways, but that is just the the latin version of of the beginning of that now you have set your servant free 
And this has been in liturgical use for a long time. It is documented uh, as being used uh, as early as the 5th century uh, and quite possibly could have been used even before then. But it has been uh, you know, used as a night prayer in particular, going back quite a long ways. Uh, and I think it's easy to see why its association is with evening. Uh, because, you know, Simeon is uh, talking about death here, uh, but we also have, you know, associations between death and sleep, the close of things that is happening at the end of the day. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it's not too far a leap to see why this is a, a night thing. Yeah, although in the, in the uh, rubrics right now, it is also permitted for use in morning prayer, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's nothing in the text that uh, in the text itself that says, you know, this has to happen at night. I, you know, the scene in Luke is presumably happening during the day. Even Simeon, when he said this whole thing, sure, you know, was probably doing it in broad daylight. Yeah, this it shows up. It's interesting to see where this pops up in the BCP. You know, it shows up in in morning prayer as a, a canticle that that can be chosen. It's not required then it shows up the same way in evening prayer, although it's maybe just one of two, right, in the evening prayer? Yeah, so in evening prayer, you can swap out the Magnificat and uh, the Noctimittis for the other canticles that are printed in morning prayer, uh, but clearly evening prayer is driving you to select these two canticles. Right, and then it is a required part of the service of Compline. Right. Right, and it's also um, listed in the uh, suggested for use piece of the burial rite uh, on page four eighty four, which of course makes sense. Yeah, and so, for the Magnificat and the Noctimittis to show up together, that goes back to Cranmer and the fifteen forty nine prayer book. As he was composing evening prayer, he was collapsing together the the two services of Vespers and Compline, so an evening prayer and a night prayer, and mm-hmm. he was condensing the two of them down to one service. So the Magnificat has long been used uh, in Vespers, and the Nunc Dimittis uh, was used in Compline. So he brought them both in, and that emphasis clearly survives in our service of evening prayer, where, again, those these two canticles are not, strictly speaking, the required ones, but they are the strongly recommended ones. Mm-hmm. Of the two, which do you prefer? Hmm. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I, I suppose I'm always going to go for the BVM. Yeah, you know how we feel about the, <laughs> the BVM around here. But, uh, okay, so going back to how I think about this canticle specifically during Holy Week... This is something that I often think and I sometimes say, and it's not exactly true, but I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. Okay. Um, that for me, I believe in the resurrection, but if I believe that Jesus is God incarnate, in many respects, Good Friday is enough for me. Because... In Good Friday, I'm seeing that incarnate God share every single aspect of our humanity down to death. 
Um, the reason I, I say that, you know, I'm a little hesitant to say that is that, you know, I think that going into Holy Week and then, you know, Easter rolls around and I'm like just crazy happy about it. Um, yeah. But if I th- but thinking about, you know, this passage in that context, Simeon never sees the ministry, death and resurrection of Jesus he merely sees this very beginning of the fulfillment of a promise and presumably dies shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. And for him, that's enough. And there's this sense of satisfaction that he has in not seeing the completion of God's promise. And so as I think about this text in Holy Week, um, I think that's kind of what I'm thinking. I totally see that, yeah. Yeah, it is interesting that that both of these canticles, the Magnificat and the Nuctimittis, are are both from the the very no pun intended infancy of of <laughs> Jesus on Earth, right? Right. Hold on, ju- right. Hold on just a sec, Brendan. Yeah. Can you what? How's it? Let me see. Yeah, uh, go get in bed and watch your iPad, and I'll be up in a minute. Sorry, no, Chelsea that's interruption. If if you can can't hear it, um, my child is currently upstairs getting ready for bed and blaring Britney Spears at the top of the uh, iPad's capacity. So I love her. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's related to you. <laughs> Surprising, isn't it? <laughs> Which Britney song is it? Hold on, let me listen. Kill the lights. Okay. Yep, kill the lights definitely. Anyway, sorry. It's a, it's an appropriate bedtime song. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I totally lost my train of thought. But I guess I will say that I I tend to to gravitate more toward the Magnificat most of the time because it is more of a message of hope hmm. and and of anticipation as opposed to fulfillment. Yeah, which is a place I like to be. <laughs> And yet, I think the Song of Simeon is is just really breathtakingly lovely, and I'm glad that we are given so many opportunities to use it. So I was looking up in in some of my commentaries this passage. Mm -hmm. I've mentioned this on this show before. One of my favorite commentaries is the 1898 Funk and Wagnall's Preacher's Homiletic Commentary, because I can rely on it to say something crazy. Awesome. And uh, among other things, and actually not everything that it has to say about uh, about this passage is is crazy, but it does suggest one angle um, for preaching on this text is to talk about how hard it is to be old. <laughs> Show enough. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, yeah, okay. I'm, I really want to hear that sermon. <laughs> 
when I was doing some of my Google research, I learned that um, there are lots of literary works that are either named um, Song of Simeon or Canticle of Simeon or Nunc Dimittis. T.S. Eliot wrote a famous poem called A Song for Simeon. He wrote as a um, seri- as a poem that was going to be in a series of illustrated pamphlets with holiday themes to be sent by his employers, clients, and business acquaintances as Christmas greetings. Okay. Yeah, so apparently he wrote these 38 pamphlets that had poems based on uh, different parts of, of the Bible, uh, specifically of the Nativity. Okay. And um, this is one of them. Does Forward Movement know about this? I don't know. We need to get on it, though. <laughs> I know a friend of the show, Scott Gunn, is a little busy with Lent Madness these days. but Yeah, but not for much longer. No, it should be over pretty quick. One of my other commentaries actually did have sort of an interesting, legit point. This is in the Interpreter's Bible. It notes, Very noteworthy are the last words of Simeon's thanksgiving. They express the flowering of that highest understanding which began to emerge among the prophets and to which the Gospel of Luke is attuned. It is the recognition that the spiritual treasures which God had given to Israel were meant as a gift for all mankind. The glory of Israel should not be in keeping that treasure to itself. Its glory should be in making all its life a light to lighten the Gentiles. The corollaries of that truth go far. Any Christian church is false to the gospel if it is concerned only with its own prestige and has no burning missionary desire to make the gospel of Jesus Christ reach out with redemption to all life everywhere. Hmm. Yeah, there's some evangelism in this text. Yeah. Yeah, woo! Yeah, that's good stuff. Well, do you have anything to acknowledge or bewail this week? I do have... I'm not quite sure yet if I'm acknowledging or bewailing, but the the podcast world has been abuzz over the past couple of weeks um, with the release of the newest podcast from the Serial Crew called S-Town. I have not listened to this yet. Okay, I just finished it as uh, about 20 minutes before we started recording. Okay. Um, it is a very interesting podcast. It's exceptionally well done, as you might expect from the producers of Serial and This American Life. It's the story of a man in a small Alabama town. I will say that it starts out as kind of a true crime story. Um, this man contacts... Uh, this American life to say, look, there's been a murder in my town and I have reason to believe that it was, it was committed by X man who is as the son of the richest family in town. And therefore it's been covered up. And I want somebody to come in from out of town and investigate this. And that's where it starts. Um, they started uh, recording these um well he was the guy was contacted in 2014 so it's been uh, a piece of investigative journalism for three years uh Hmm. that kind of some gets summed up in this seven hour broken up over seven episodes story It, it takes a very hard left turn in the second episode um away from the murder story to a completely different story and it's just fascinating. And I really want to talk to people about it. So if you have listened to it, 
tweet me because I really <laughs> want to talk about it. And so far, I only have a couple of friends listening, and none of them have made it to the end yet. So. So I'd also like to acknowledge a podcast this week, and this is reiterating an acknowledgement that you had a couple weeks ago, Holly, mm-hmm. which is uh, this uh, Songs in the Desert project yeah. by a friend of the show, David Sinden. I finally got around to starting to listen to it today. And the whole concept of this uh, podcast is that it's a collaborative audio devotional uh, for Lent. And the first episode is about... Uh, let all mortal flesh keep silence. Yeah. And so uh, it's really good. Uh, these episodes are really short. I think the uh, episode one is under four minutes. Even if you're just hearing about this now, as we drop this show during Holy Week, uh, it's not too late to put it into your queue and, and get a little bit of this uh, Lenten devotional going. Uh, it's great stuff. And uh, thank you, David, for putting it out there. We love it when people do podcasts because we love podcasts obviously yep (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) well if you would like to get in touch with us you can find us on twitter or facebook at the collect call or you can even email us at the collect call at acts8movement.org our parent organization is the acts 8 movement which is on the web at acts8movement.org or on facebook and twitter at acts8movement Our theme music is Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence by Aaron DeVries, which is distributed under a Creative Commons license, and you can find more of Aaron's music at badgerland.bandcamp.com. And I haven't looked ahead at the schedule to see what Regina has uh, set us up for when we're back next week, Uh, but next time we're with you, it'll be Easter. Yay! Let all mortal flesh keep silence And with fear and trembling stand Ponder nothing earthly-minded For with blessing in his hand Christ our God to earth descended Our full homage to